following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. We want to welcome Jeff Gill with us this morning. He comes to us from Grace College. Um, he's been here a few times this mor- before, not this morning. I mean, you've been here this morning, but not a few times this morning. Um, so he may look familiar to many of you. He's been at Grace for 14 years, and was a pastor for 20 years prior to that. Has... Um, um, a beautiful wife, amen, he says, 37 years married, which is awesome, several kids, six grandkids, and I can tell when he was um, sharing with me, I said, what do you want me to say about you? Um, his family was one of the first things that came out of his mouth, so that said a lot about him. So we want to welcome him this morning as he shares with us. Let's welcome him. I think we're good. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you letting me know that. Um, I was here a year and a half ago, and some of your faces are familiar to me. I was here, it was the Sunday right after New Year's, and, uh, and I shared a message with you, and I shared some things about my wife and a year that we had had together. Some of you may remember that, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit later in my message. But uh, I remember, and I don't know if she's here But one of the dear, dear, dear women in your church after my message and I was getting ready to leave came up and literally prayed for Kathy and prayed for me. And that was just so meaningful. So if you're here, thank you. I don't really remember her name, but uh, I was very blessed by that. I've told uh, several of you that Jordan was one of my students and I've gotten mixed responses to that comment. The nice ones of you have said, oh, thank you for teaching him so well. And then there were other comments. But Jordan was one of the most fun students I've had. He is a fun guy. I'll just say that. Fun. I do say that in quotes. Tell him I said that. Dr. Gill said you were fun. And uh, he did well. He did fine. And uh, I know you're blessed to have him as your pastor. Well, there um, there was a movie that came out. And it obviously was one of those movies that didn't do necessarily very well, but because I was anticipating going to see it, and before I knew it, it wasn't in theaters anymore. It must have only been in there for a week or two. But the name of the movie is The 33. Some of you may be familiar with that. Uh, I actually went ahead and went on Amazon and got the DVD because I really wanted to see this movie. This is a movie about the 2010 Chilean mining accident. Some of you may remember that event. It's been six years now. It occurred on August 5th, 2010, and it resulted in a massive cave-in. And there were 33 miners who were trapped 2,300 feet underground for 69 days. Some of you remember that event but the real highlight of all of that is people prayed as the world, I think, was, was praying for them, is that they were rescued after 69 days. Do, do any of you remember the news coverage of that as they were coming up 
they had drilled this massive hole, and these guys would get in this capsule that was about this big around, and they would take them up one at a time. All 33 of them lived. It was truly a miracle. Now, as somebody who is a little claustrophobic, I'm not severely, but a little claustrophobic, thinking of being in that place just freaks me out. In fact, if any of you have been to St. Louis and gone up into the arch, they have this little thing about the size of, the, of a phone booth. They put five people in there, and you kind of slowly go up. I remember doing that about 15 years ago. My wife and I were in St. Louis last week. I was at a conference. She said, hey, I'm going back in the arch, up to the, up the, to the, uh, the arch again, to the top. And I said, have fun, honey. <laughs> there is no way I'm getting in there again. So when I think about these Chilean miners, for more than two months, being in such a dark, dark place, it's mind-blowing to me. And sometimes you're in a dark place too. And I've had numerous times in my journey with Jesus where I have been in a dark place. Not necessarily just physically dark, but dark. Feeling helpless. Being this close to feeling hopeless. When life just is incredibly, excruciatingly dark. It is so wonderful that we have a shepherd. Amen? It is so wonderful that we have that. And as I thought about this idea of being in a dark place, and in my travels and journeys, and just I get to do all kinds of amazing things, um, one thing I know for sure is this. Even God's people, even God's people who love him with their whole heart, have dark times and difficult times. You know these words. You don't have to turn to this passage because we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. But let me just share the words of the Apostle Paul. If there is anyone who was the superstar of the church in the first century, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet listen to his words. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 Paul wrote these words, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. That's the Apostle Paul. That's the Apostle Paul who wrote the words, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. That's the Apostle Paul who, who wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That's the Apostle Paul who said, My passion is to know and love and follow Jesus Christ. And he said, Yet I have had times in my life, times in my ministry, when I feel as though I have the sentence of death. I've despaired even of life. You call that a dark place? The psalmist refers to it as the valley of the shadow 
of death. Now, it's not my intention to uh, begin your Sunday morning with a downer, (laughs) but just to let you know, because I think sometimes God's people feel so guilty if they're not just happy, happy, happy in Jesus all the time. If they don't always come to church with a genuine smile on their face because the week has been excruciatingly painful. One of the reasons why I love to read the Psalms every day, I'm one of those guys that kind of reads through the Bible in a year. That's been my discipline for a long time. So I get to read the Psalms every day. That's a portion of my daily reading. And you know that one of the primary categories of Psalms are referred to as the lament Psalms. God said it's okay to grieve. God has said it's okay to be deeply honest about your struggle and your pain. It's okay. But it's vital to cling to him, especially during those times, during those valley of the shadow of death times. So as Becky said, we're going to be sharing a a passage with you that's familiar. But my hope this morning is maybe we can listen to and even read together. The goal is for it to be up on the screen. I think we're good. Oh, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much. And maybe in a new way and in a fresh way, allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts. And I have a feeling that some of you have really heavy hearts this morning because that's just the nature of life, isn't it? Some of you had a really heavy heart last year. Some of you are going to be experiencing really difficult stuff six months from now. We call that the journey. That's all part of the journey. Challenge, struggle, and our need for our shepherd. So would you read this with me? Let's read it together. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful. Beautiful. And more than just beautiful literature, it's true. (laughs) Every word of it is true. So what I want to share with you this morning, I have two points, and I think you might even have a little spot on your bulletin to to jot down notes if you're a, a note person. I encourage you to do that if you'd like. But what I'm seeing here, and, and a lot of people say, well, the 23rd Psalm is just about a shepherd. It actually isn't. There are two metaphors, two illustrations, two pictures. That's kind of what a metaphor is. It's kind of a tangible picture of, of a truth. Jesus said, I'm, a do- I'm the door. Jesus said, 
Uh, the church is the bride. Those are metaphors of spiritual truths. So I want to share two of those with you from this passage. The first one is the very obvious one, and that is uh, the shepherd. And knowing the shepherd makes us secure because we are his beloved sheep. He makes me lie down. There's some phrases here that I just want to kind of dwell on with you this morning. He makes me lie down. Becky mentioned that I have six grandkids. It is the most fun and exhausting thing in my life is being a grandpa and taking care of the kids. They range in these ages, eight, six, six, four, one, one. No twins. Those are two daughters and son-in-laws, each with three. I have three grandsons, three granddaughters. They're super fun. And on occasion, we uh, have them overnight, and it is our job to make them lie down. We call that the battle of bedtime. The battle of bedtime. It is so fascinating to me how many things, just one more thing, they call me Papa. One more thing, Papa, I want to tell you. It's not one more thing. They keep coming out. One more thing, I need a drink. Okay. One more thing I want to tell you. One more thing we need to make sure we do tomorrow. One more thing, and it's like, and I'm probably more patient now than I was when I was the dad. Because when you're the dad and the mom, you have to be the enforcer. When you're the grandpa, you're the fun one. I want to maintain that reputation with my grandkids. But sometimes it gets old. He makes me lie down. I want you to think with me about that for a moment. Because this is our shepherd, and we're the sheep. And he, at times, makes us lie down. Now, I need to tell you, I work on a campus. uh, 1,300 18 to 22-year-olds. That's our undergrad. I work with a lot of graduate students, master's, doctoral, all those kinds of people. And one of the most common phrases I hear is, I'm so stressed out. I hear that phrase from everybody, it seems. I'm so stressed out. I'm so stressed out. I'm so busy. And it doesn't matter what their lifetime is. People are so stressed out. And I get it. I get it. You know, there's something that is such a blessing and a curse in our lives. It's called technology. It's called my iPhone and my iPad and my laptop and all of these things that are kind of appendages of my body. I left my iPhone in my car this morning so that it wouldn't go off or ding with text because that even happens on Sunday mornings for me. Not good, but it does happen. And I think not just technology, but the speed of change and, and the speed of life has caused a whole lot of God's people to be absolutely exhausted and yet, because of caffeine and, and our lack of sleep, we push, push, push in the midst of our exhaustion, don't we? We do that. I do that. I know I do. And you know what God says? Okay, it's time for you to lie down. Uh, I was diagnosed, I'm 100% good now, about two and a half months ago with pneumonia. And uh, I thought it was the flu, and then I was having trouble taking deep breaths, and that was a bit of a warning sign. There might be something further. And so it was, it was Easter weekend. 
I was in Nashville where my oldest daughter and her husband live. We were going to go to church, and I didn't even go to church on Easter morning. That tells you how badly I was feeling. And uh, my wife and I drove eight hours home. I slept in the car. The next morning, I went to my family doctor. He put this stethoscope on my back. Breathe, Jeff. <sighs> One more time. <sighs> you have pneumonia. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not allowed to have pneumonia. I'm not supposed to have pneumonia. I have too much to do in my life to have pneumonia. That's what he said. And he looked at me and says, oh, no, you don't. And if you don't take it easy for the next month, it could be a whole lot worse than it is right now. So uh, I had to downshift. I have a very busy life. Thankfully, I was in a period of time where I wasn't traveling. I travel a lot. And I had almost a month so at least God did that for me, that I had, didn't have to cancel trips. And I had to sleep more, and I couldn't work as much, and it was hard for me. And it was good for me. Because in my life, sometimes God says, I want to make you lie down. Sometimes the lying down is not achieving goals that you thought were so important and God says that's really not ultimately what matters sometimes the slowing down is things like family or kids or relationships are not turning out the way you had planned you see lying down from God's perspective is I really want to get your attention you are not listening very carefully to me have you noticed that the Holy Spirit doesn't always scream? The Holy Spirit has a pretty soft voice. And if we're not tuned in and listening, sometimes God will say, okay, it's time to get your attention. Does he do that to you? He absolutely does that with me, and he probably does it with you as well. You see, our great shepherd cares more about us than he does about our production, our productivity. Isn't that good to know? You know, in my life, I'm primarily awarded for what I accomplish, unfortunately, because God just wants me to know I'm loved. We're his beloved sheep. That's who we are. He makes us lie down. Do you see what it also says? I love this. He makes us lie down in green pastures, lush green pastures. That's a, a place of safety, a place of security. That's what he does. He leads us beside still waters. I was thinking about this. Green pastures, still waters, kind of sounds like an all-inclusive resort pretty nice. His is free. Here's how Jesus said it. Come to me. You know this passage, I bet. Come to me, all who are weary, right, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, 
Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's how Jesus says it. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Learn from me. When Jesus describes himself as gentle and humble of heart, you know what he's saying? I just live to serve the Father. I just live to submit to the will of the Father. What the Father says I'll do. I don't have all these plans. I don't have all these expectations. I don't have these I got to do this kind of aspect to my life. I'm just here to serve the Father. And therefore, when obstacle comes and and I don't achieve my goals as I had planned, I'm not going to get ticked off, frustrated, throw a fit, and act ungodly. (laughs) And I say, then Jesus, I want to be yoked with you. I want to be in the yoke, like two oxen. That's the picture here. A team of oxen yoked together who plow a field. Jesus, I want to be yoked with you because I want to be like you. And I want you to bear those burdens because you have told me you will. You've told me you want to because of how much you love me. For me to take time to just meditate on that is such a beautiful thing. It feels like green pastures and still waters. And that's why the psalmist goes on to say in verse 4, he restores my soul. You know, if you've been in a dark place, if you've been in the valley of the shadow of death, you need your soul restored, don't you? You do. And that's, that's maybe physical restoration, but it's also emotional restoration. It's also physical restoration. It's also spiritual restoration. He wants to do that with us and for us. I love verse 4 as well. He leads me in the path of righteousness. This is so important to get this. For his namesake. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Do you know what? As a Christian, your life is not about you. My life is not about me. My life is about giving glory to the shepherd. And when the sheep evidence the care of the shepherd, it gives glory to the shepherd. When the sheep reflect and radiate the love the nurture, the care of the shepherd, then it's not, wow, what great sheep. It's, wow, what an amazing shepherd. What an amazing shepherd. And see, the ultimate goal, I believe, of being good sheep, well-cared-for sheep, is not just that we can enjoy being sheep. It's that we can give glory to the shepherd. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's so important for us to remember, my friends. Our Lord wants to care for us and meet us in our very dark times, and it brings glory to him. 
He likes to be a proud daddy, <laughs> too. I, I, you know, I know people think I'm obnoxious about my grandkids, and I admit it, I am. They're all brilliant, beautiful superstars in the making, just as my two daughters were as I was, was Kathy and I were raising them. But aren't our children a reflection to some degree? And when they do things that we're very proud of, we <laughs> rejoice. We rejoice in that. When I was here a year and a half ago, and I've already touched on this a little bit, but when I was here a year and a half ago, some of you uh, remember that I shared about my wife, Kathy. And this is, in, in light of that phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here's what I want to report to you. Actually, I was here, because I look back, I was here on January 4th of 2000, this is 16, right? 2015. And Kathy had breast cancer surgery three days after I was here. And I, I, I shared that with you. And again, some prayed, and I am so grateful. That was a year after she had major oral cancer and had about, the, about half of the roof of her mouth removed because of a massive tumor in the roof of her mouth. So 12 months, two major cancer surgeries, radiation treatment after her breast cancer. She and I had days of the valley of the shadow of death with her oral cancer, which often will metastasize to the lungs and you usually are dead within a year. We had to wait a week after her PET scan to see whether or not it had done that. I remember that week vividly. And my wife would say that during that year, year and a half, she had days where she was really angry. She had days where she was really depressed. She had days where she was really, really scared. She had days where she cried all day because she thought, if I die, I won't get to see our grandkids grow up. And yet she had days of incredible peace. She did. She had days of incredible joy and new insight that God was giving her in terms of his grace in her life. We had all that going on for about 18 months. And I want to report to you today, <laughs> she is doing off the charts well, incredibly well. And six months ago, she started in partnership with the Kosciuszko County Parkview YMCA, a cancer support group for our county, and she is in charge of it. She is using what God took her through and did in her life to bless and minister to other people in our community who are either cancer survivors or literally going through chemo or radiation right now. And I am deeply proud of her and deeply grateful that she is taking what God has taught her and blessing others with it. You see, that's kind of the potential bright side of going through the valley of the shadow of death. If you hang on, if you hang on to the shepherd, if you ask the shepherd to minister his grace and his strength in your life and to teach you the things he wants to teach you, then on the other end, so often, 
he makes us something beautiful. Not just for you, but even for others. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that he's doing that through my dear wife. You know, David could talk about the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. Some of you remember the whole story of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, that talk about how David was anointed. First Samuel chapter 16, Samuel anointed David. He was possibly 14, 15 years old at the time, the youngest of eight sons. But what a lot of people don't know or, or haven't really thought through is how long from when David was anointed until David actually became king, because Saul was king, right? Twelve years. And of probably ten of those twelve years, Saul had so much hatred for David, so much jealousy toward David, that he pursued David with his army of 3,000 soldiers to kill David. And so when David is talking here about the valley of the shadow of death, that I think is some reflection on David saying, there were, I hid in caves, I hid everywhere, I was on the run, I did all of these things because I didn't know on any given day if I was going to be alive. I will fear no evil, <laughs> for you are with me. Lord, you're with me. That is so beautiful. How about your dark days, my dear brothers and sisters? Here's a phrase I want you to remember, if you would, today. And that is that when you find yourself in a dark place, cry out to the shepherd. When you find yourself in a dark place, cry out to the shepherd. He's there. He's good. He's great. He loves you deeply. Cry out to him. Well, the psalmist makes this shift in metaphors, I believe. He shifts from our great shepherd who wants to give us security because we're his beloved sheep. And he shifts to a second metaphor, knowing the banquet host. God is the banquet host. Knowing the banquet host means that we're significant. We are his honored guests. That'll be up on the screen if you want to jot that down. Knowing the banquet host means we are significant because we're his honored guests. He wants us to be secure. He wants us to know how significant we are to him. Number two. Well, the scene has shifted from the vast pasture land in the Middle East desert with sheep grazing throughout the hillside to a great banquet hall. The custom was that before the honored guest would enter the banquet hall, the host would greet the guest at the door and anoint him or her with oil. That would be comparable to a hug, a handshake, a welcome, and would express that very deep welcome to the guest. My cup overflows... I love this picture. My cup overflows. I must admit, when I think about that, I think about somebody who's like pouring you a cup of coffee and then they get distracted. Okay, okay, okay. I don't think that's the point, but that's the picture that comes to my mind. 
No, what does my cup overflow? Here's what it means. It's better than I could ever have imagined. It's better than I ever could have imagined. That's what it's like to be the honored guest of the great banquet host. That is how significant we are to him. Is that mind-blowing or what? He anoints our head with oil. He overflows our cup with goodness and grace. That's what he does. Some of you have walked with Jesus longer than I have. I've been walking with Jesus for 41 years. I remember vividly, I'm one of those people that did not grow up in a Christian home. So my freshman year at the age of 19, my freshman year at the Ohio State University, Columbus, Ohio, a guy from Campus Crusade for Christ, it's now called Crew, that's the new cool name, but it was Campus Crusade for Christ, came knocking on my door in the dorm. I opened the door. He said, hey, I'm doing religious surveys. I'm just kind of going room to room, knocking on guys' doors, saying, hey, would, you got 10 minutes to do this survey. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Come on in. So he comes in, and he starts going through this survey. Where are you from? Da, 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 da. He gets to question 19 on the survey. Who do you think Jesus Christ is? And I'm like, well, I know that because I did grow up going to a church, but I never remember hearing the gospel. I said, oh, I know that, the Son of God. I don't know what that means, really, but I think that's the right answer, the Son of God. He goes, that's a great answer, awesome answer. Now, I've got one more question for you, Jeff. If you were to die today and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? <laughs> Whoa. If you were to die today and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And I had just the classic unsaved person's response. <laughs> I hope I've been good enough. Hope I've been good enough. So he pulls out the four spiritual laws. Any of you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? Of course, many of you have. And he goes through the gospel with me and it was like, this is so clear. This makes so much sense to me. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but you're a sinner and your sin separates you from God and, and so on. And Christ died on the cross for you. And if you put your faith in him, and, and it's like, this makes so much sense. And I, re, I remember as a good crusade guy, he wanted me to pray the prayer as soon as possible, you know. And so he says, so you want to pray right now? I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I said, this just makes total sense to me. And I believe that the Holy Spirit was drawing me to him, to the truth, to the gospel. I believe that. But I said, you know, you know what? If I get this, this, this is like super, super, super important stuff. I mean, you're talking about eternity here. We're talking about heaven and hell here. I think I need to think more about this. Two months later, Easter morning, March 30th, 1975, at a church service, I gave my life to Jesus Christ 41 years ago. And I got seriously saved. I mean, as they say, I got the real disease in a good way. I mean, God just changed me. I was really, really uh, transformed. And before I knew it, a year and a half later, sitting under the word of God, just being so 
eager and hungry for the truth of the Word of God, sharing my faith with everybody I could, I believe the Holy Spirit said to me, Jeff, I've called you to be a pastor. And so that led me to this journey of seminary and pastoring and now training young men and women who are leaders all over the world. I get to do that, and it's mind-blowing that God chose me to do that. My cup overflows. Never in a million years as an 18-year-old would I have thought that God would bless me the way he has. Has my 41-year walk with Jesus had challenges? Absolutely. Have I had dark days? Have Kathy and I had dark days? Have we had the kinds of challenges all of us have? Absolutely. You see, a cup-overflowing life does not mean comfort, ease, and getting whatever I want. Amen? It does not mean that. In fact, to some degree, it means almost the opposite. Because the Holy Spirit says, here's God's number one agenda for you, believer. Conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to knock everything out of you that isn't like Jesus. Well, that's a whole lot. (laughs) That is a whole lot. You know that verse, for God causes all things to work together for good? You guys know that verse, Matthew, or Romans eight twenty eight, To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, you need to read verse 29 always with verse 28 because he defines good. For those whom he predestined, he also called to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren like him. God causes all things to work together to your and my conformity to Jesus Christ. And what that means in my life, in your life, is that God is going to refine and rebuke and challenge and transform our hearts to be like the heart of our Savior. That's the journey. It's filled with blessing too. It's filled with being surprised by God and his grace. Paul said it this way. You know, God, I have this thing thing called the thorn in my flesh. (laughs) I hate it. I despise it, this thorn in my flesh that you've given me. In fact, you know, three times I cried out, God, please remove this from me. And Lord, you said three times back, "Uh uh-uh, not going to do it. Because my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your what? Weakness. My power is made perfect in your weakness. When I can reveal to you your weakness, you cry out to me and I give you my power then. When you say, got it, call you when I need you, God, my power is not made perfect because you think you're strong. You don't realize you're weak. And so much of the journey with Jesus for me is understanding my weakness so that I can experience his strength. And when I do that, occasionally I get it right. And when I do that, you know what happens? My cup overflows. (laughs) He uses me and I say, wow. Wow. Thank you, God. To you be the glory. I got to wrap up here. 
Did you say, let, let, me, let me touch on two more verses really quickly. And it's where it says, he prepares a table before him in the presence of my enemies. Here's what I know about God. He doesn't isolate us from the world. We Christians often uh, just want to hang out with people that think like us, believe what we believe, talk the way we do, and uh, that's not what we've been called to do, right? It is so important to have fellowship with believers. It is so important to be part of a vital body of Christ and fellow believers like you are. But it is so important that we understand we are missionaries. It is getting deeper and darker and more difficult to be a Christian in our culture today. I don't have to convince any of you of that. You know that well. And yet, (laughs) it's in the presence of our enemies. Our Father doesn't shelter us in the sense of shielding us from all difficulties or opportunities or opposition or pain. Our good Father doesn't coddle and baby us. We're going to get to hang out with, uh, with each other in heaven. This is the time to be on mission. This is the time to engage the battle. And the battle is that you and I often have to take a stand in the midst of people who deeply disagree with us, right? People who think we're nuts, archaic, Neanderthal, judgmental. I can tell you all the ones I've been called because I cling to the inerrant word of God without compromise. I want to communicate it with grace. I want to be loving, but I'm not backing down. There is a God. There is one God. There is one way to God through Jesus Christ, and he has given us this book as his absolute instruction to us and to the world about what is right and what is wrong. And it's way too easy to back down. No, he's prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, people who dislike me because they know I'm a Christian. But that's my mission field, and that's your mission field. My question are, are you up for it? Are you all in? That's important. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I like the fact that good, goodness and mercy, mercy are tagging along with me. I need goodness and mercy hanging out with me. That's kind of the picture I see. You know, somebody with a T-shirt that says goodness, the other one says mercy. Hey, guys, hang out with me because <laughs> I need God's goodness, and I certainly need his mercy. So here's my counsel. It's in my desire for you when you find yourself in a dark place your knee-jerk reaction should be to cry out to the shepherd and to understand how loved you are by the banquet host and my friends if that's where we go if that's where we go we're going to be okay even in the valley of the shadow of death times even in dark times we're going to be fine Because that's how secure we are in him. That's how loved and beloved we are. And because we are so significant to him, he says, I will take care of you. I pray, whether you're in the midst of a really tough time or heading into one, that you'll remember that.
He is such a good, good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a beautiful, beautiful portion of Scripture. But more than that, a profound truth. Thank you that you're our shepherd. Thank you that you are a banquet host who welcomes and cares for us, who even loves to overflow our cup <laughs> with your goodness. Father, I pray that we and my dear brothers and sisters here would just relish that, would meditate upon that. And Lord, whether it's this week or next month, when the dark time comes, that we all would first and foremost, foremost cry out to you. Thank you for listening you to the Community mind. Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 